Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a nursing podcast with your host, Beth Quas. Before we get started, we have a few quick notes. Don't Eat Your Young is a listener-supported podcast. To learn more about becoming a member and the perks available to you for becoming a patron yourself, visit patreon.com slash don't eat your young. You can learn more about the show, share your story to join Beth as a guest, or connect with our wonderful community in our Facebook group. You can find all those links and more at don'teatyouryoung.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young. I'm your host, Beth Quas. I am excited again to have Ashley Hughes here. We had her here last season, and she just has so much information to share. I am very grateful that she's able to come back. How are you, Ashley? Oh, I am blessed. I give honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus, and I'm glad to be here, especially, you know, I I think the last time I I was with you was before the pandemic. So, you know, it's a blessing to be here and talking with you and being in great health. So last time we talked a little bit about your role as a legal nurse consultant. Today, we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about uh, legal implications for nurses, um, standards of care. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? As you know, um, again, I'm a legal nurse consultant. I've been uh, doing it for about six years and I've been an RN going on about 14 years. Well, going on 15 years. This would make the 14th year. Wow. Time just flies, right? So, um, there's a lot of standards of care, um, that nurses need to make sure that they're adhering to in the healthcare system. As the legal nurse consultant, uh, whenever there's a medical case, uh, that attorneys, uh, are um, being uh, consulted on, either they're defending the plaintiff, which is the patient who's complaining that harm was done to, or they're defending the healthcare system or, you know, the hospital or whatever system. So they're either representing the defense or the plaintiff. And I, it's really important that nurses make are making sure that they're adhering to the nursing standards of care so that they will not find themselves um, having to be subpoena uh, to come and have to testify in a medical case due to something that they that they did wrong, which we call a breach in the standard of care. And do you think most nurses know what those standards are and what they should be adhering to? I think some nurses do, um, you know, more of your seasoned nurses and, you know, some of the new grads, depending on your training and your education. And I think some nurses sometimes may not know what those breaches in the standards of care are, um, you know, that they that they may be doing. So, yes, to answer your question, I don't think some nurses know. And without, um, of course, talking about any real cases that you've been involved in, what examples could you give us of maybe a breach of a standard of care? So a breach in a nurse's standard of care would be, for instance, uh, not putting fall interventions in place. Um, So, you know, as nurses, we are supposed to, you know, do fall risk assessments when patients uh, get admitted to the hospital, when there's a change in condition, uh, and, you know, doing a fall risk every shift. Uh, And also, you know, you need to be looking at your hospital policy in regards to, you know, your assessments as well with the fall risk. 
However, a breach would be not putting the fall, not doing a fall risk assessment so you can see if your patient is a low, moderate, or high risk fall, and then failing to put those interventions in place. And, you know, what happens is what if the patient falls and then there's injury that has occurred due to the fall and you didn't put those fall interventions in place, you didn't do that fall risk assessment. So that is a breach right there. So not only is it putting the interventions in place, it's documenting what you've done and what you should be doing, correct? Right. So it's the assessment part, the fall assessment, putting the interventions in place, and then also the documentation. Another uh, breach in care that uh, that is going on um, in the legal arena is, uh, you know, failing to notify uh, the MD or the nurse practitioner um, or the PA, the mid-level provider, when there's a change in status with the patient. I, a lot of that is going on. And what happens is over time, when something happens to the patient and you go back and you look at everything, there should have been notifications to the mid-level provider of what was going on the patient that could have prevented the patient from worsening to a worsening condition. So also mid-level communication is another breach in the standard of care that nurses seem to sometimes miss because sometimes I think nurses may think, oh, well, it's not a big deal. You know, sometimes they may think it's a little thing, something that doesn't, you know, warrant the mid-level provider's notification. But as nurses, whenever there's a change in status with the patient, we are supposed to be notifying that mid-level about that change in status. So if there's a code going on, and of course there's, um, you know, providers there that are helping, but not every time can we leave the patient to let someone know there's a change in status. Is there a hard time frame that needs to be adhered to? Well, yes. I mean, you know, um, with that, you know, if you ever have to go uh, to uh, court or anything like that, they're going to ask, what would a reasonable nurse do? What in that situation? Or if it's a if it's an MD or, you know, uh, a mid-level provider, what would that provider, mid-level provider, nurse do? And what would a reasonable, uh, whatever their discipline is, what what would what would be reasonable? What would they do in that situation? Uh, we know that if it's a stat, um, a stat notification, if you know if it's a, if something that needs to be done stat, then we know that needs to be done at least within an hour, um, no more than an hour. And if it's routine, uh, you know, sometimes you have a little bit more leeway with that. However, you know, it's what a reasonable, prudent nurse would do in that situation. So, you know, there's di- it's different types of variables that, you know, weigh in on that. Um, and then also, Say, for instance, you're not able, say, for instance, there is your the doctor is in a code and you need to notify them about a patient. Um, You know, that doctor is supposed to have, you know, uh, a mid-level provider or someone else that they can also notify as well. So they're responsible for that, too. Um, So it's different variables with that. But 
definitely notifying the MD if it's even if it's an abnormal vital sign or any change. And the nurse may think, oh, that's a little change. I don't think I need to warrant the, the mid-level provider with that or the MD. And it's like, no, you need to do that because that's a change in status. Because what, what the nurse doesn't see is that days later, that patient's work condition had, you know, has worsened. And, you know, maybe another nurse thought the same thing you thought, or maybe didn't even report it at all. And so what happens is in a medical lit- litigation case, they look at the whole story, the whole picture. And so you definitely want to make sure that you are assessing correctly making sure you're putting the right interventions in place, making sure you're notifying uh, the the MD, the nurse practitioner, the mid-level provider, the appropriate um, disciplines, if it's the surgeon, whoever it is, making sure you notify them in a timely manner that they're supposed to be notified and always, always make sure you're documenting because we all know the old saying, if you did not document it, you did not do it. Right. We've all heard that. We've all heard it. Who sets those standards? Is it the organization? Is it the board of nursing? Is it the unit policy? That's a really good question. So the standards of care, um, it just, so, you know, if you work in critical care, there are standards of care with the American um, Association of Critical Care Nurses, uh, policies or standards of care. Um, just, it depends on what specialty that you are in. There are different standards of care, um, with associations in whatever specialty you are in. If it's oncology, uh, if it's med surge, if it's the emergency, if, if you're emergency uh, room nurse, there's the ENA. Um, so there's all these different standards of care out there. And then also, just like you mentioned, you're the board of nursing. You know, that that's like your Bible, you know, what you can do and what you can't do as a nurse. And then also policies. And I think what's going on now, um, I don't think I, I, I think, well, I'll say this as nurses, we should make sure we are we know our policies in the hospital. And sometimes I think that that may get a little lackadaisical with not looking at policies because it's so much going on. Um, and, you know, now, you know, we've just been through a pandemic and there is a lot of stress variables out there that nurses are having to confront. Well, I, I like to say challenges and you just need to be making sure you you're updating with your policies, making sure you're aware of it. And every nurse, I want to say this. Every nurse should definitely know where to go to look up policies. If you do not know where to go to look up your policies for your hospital, you're at a disadvantage. You know, we're we're not expecting you to know all the policies. We, We can't know all the policies, but you are expected to make sure you know where to look for these policies and make sure you follow them out. So that brings me to a totally different point, kind of. So right now in nursing, we have nurses going everywhere. Travel nursing is blowing up right now and nurses working in states they haven't worked before and units and facilities. And what are we doing about that? How they can't learn all of that in a moment's notice. You know what, Beth, what's 
I, you know, you hear so many things. Um, I hear so many things and see some things. You know, um, new grads are even starting out in the travel world after a year of experience. And I think that's quite interesting because I know when I was coming on as a new grad, um, for you to travel at that time, you had to have at least, they wanted at least three solid good years of nursing experience before you could um, travel. But now new grads are, you know, can travel, uh, you know, in, in, in a year's time. Um, and um, it's just a lot of, I call it compromising. It's a lot of compromising going on to me in the travel world. I know I saw in a post somewhere on social media where someone put uh, that they work in a uh, skilled nursing facility and, you know, they want to get a job in the travel, uh, traveling and, and, and go into med surge and they've never had med surge experience and they're looking for a travel agency that will put them in a med surge setting. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that is, that's dangerous for, for your patients. Right. Not that they're got not good nurses, but as when you're a traveler, you don't usually get much of an orientation to that unit. Right. They expect for you to be experienced, ready to go, feel, feel in the need and not have challenges. I've worked in facilities, um, a shift here, they're helping out and you don't know where everything is. And my experience helped me with that, but I can't imagine having someone come states away, no support. We had a travel nurse on the show in the first season, Emily Mazarak, and she was PED ICU and she loved it and she did a great job um, and learned a lot. But she said the support wasn't always there, depending on yeah. which unit she was in. So if you're new and you don't know anyone and now you don't have the support maybe of other staff, because there's a lot of contention right now. Yes. Between the nurses in hospitals working and those coming in as travelers and the pay differential. Yes, that is, that's going to be interesting to see how that wanes out because you have the staff nurses versus the travel nurses, the travel nurses versus the staff nurses, and the staff nurses feel like they are not, which they're not, um, getting uh, adequate pay like the travelers. And some of them, you know, are saying, hey, I might as well do local travel. I might as well, you know, uh, you know, t- make the sacrifice and travel far uh, because someone's working beside me and it's making three times more as me and I'm only making bare minimum and, and they feel like it's unfair. And, you know, the ho- some of the hospital systems, um, you know, they're not able to accommodate and pay them as well. And so it creates this tension, like you said, and 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 then the travelers, you know, they're just there to help fill in the need. Um, you know, they're not the blame because someone wants to pay them three times as much. So it's creating this type of atmosphere and it's going to be interesting to see how it's going to be played out. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, going forward, you know, um, we may see later that the normal may be a nurse has to be contracted through an agency just to work in the hospital, you know, um, because right now, Working as staff nurse is is not uh, popular right now. 
It is not. And the sad thing <laughs> is those nurses that have been at those institutions have created teamwork and they know their providers and they know who to call when. And so it's very sad that they feel slighted, but I totally understand why they would because of their loyalty. Yet, like you said, the travelers come in and they're just filling a need and they're not doing anything that many other people wouldn't do. So how do you see us getting beyond this? Right. Yes. It's it's going to be interesting to see. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I, you know, I don't know what the solution is with it, but a solution I do, I do believe this, there is a solution. I don't know exactly what that is. However, I do know that they, I I believe that the healthcare systems um, need to figure out a fair way to pay all of the nurses, because if they don't, it's going to create um, trusting issues because right now nurses feel like their loyalty is not being compensated. Correct. And so, you know, loyalty, you know, it's not being compensated. So, and then, you know, these nurses have families, we, you know, they have lives and, you know, everybody wants to be compensating, compensated fair across the board. Um, Everybody does. Um, now, I did hear one nurse was telling me that a friend of hers somewhere up north somewhere or some, she's a nurse. One of the hospitals actually offered like 20000 or 30000 for the staff to stay. Um, and there was some type of contract that they had to submit to or commit to. Now, you know, I think that's good, you know offer them something you might as well keep your own staff because um when i used to be in nursing management one if you lose one person after all that orientation and and putting your time in one person is like six six figures you know i've heard that as well yes and so it's like think about all these nurses that have left i i really don't know how the hospitals are handling this. And then on top of that, I know that I have heard speculations from other providers or whatnot that, you know, they think that, you know, it's speculation. Is this affecting the healthcare bills with the the patients that are coming in? Um, Are they seeing higher than normal bills, you know, as before? And are they seeing poorer outcomes. Right. Yeah, that's another thing, you know, because quality, I've always said quality is better than quantity. You can have the quantity, but at the end of the day, if you don't have the quality, you're not going to get the good results and you're going to have to invest in quality. You're going to have to compensate for quality. That's always been how I thought about it. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see. However, I do think nurses should be compensated. you know, we do a lot, you know, we, when we're there in the hospital working as a nurse, um, we're not only doing the nursing part, you're, you're doing, uh, you're coordinating things, your case management, your, uh, security, you wear many hats, you're the counselor, um, <laughs> you're just wearing many hats. And it's only gotten more since the pandemic, you know, we were the ones going into the rooms and we were the ones gowning and gloving and all of our PPE. Uh, and so I agree that it's gotten 
even more work for the same amount of time. We aren't given more time. We're not given more hands. Uh, and so compensation is one way to help with that. And retention bonuses are one way. The pizza party has gone by the wayside. There is no more <laughs> that you can get from a pizza party. It's not helping. Pizza, pizza parties are not fixing it. You know, no. all, you know, they would offer us food and they would get reps to come in and give us food. The pharmaceutical reps, that is not in anymore. Right now, nurses are asking about the compensation, the money part. Um, and so that's what's in right now. And it's not that they're asking for anything over the top. Um, they didn't set the rates that travel nurses are getting. They didn't set those rates Um you know, the hospitals are setting those rates and the travel agencies are setting those rates. But the people out there working that aren't traveling deserve increased compensation as well. It's high time. It's, it's our time, right? It's, it's it's the time. Time is set. Um, I mean, because if you work 13 weeks, I mean, you know, I don't know how to get your email. And I'm sure you've got emails, too. I don't know how they get all of our emails, the travel agencies. And phone numbers, maybe they buy some databases or whatever it may be. But, you know, they have these 13-week assignments for like $50,000. You can accumulate or $60,000 um, in 13 weeks. And so nurses look at that and they're like, hey, you know, I've heard a lot of nurses say they paid off their student loan debt, um, you know, because they've been waiting. You know, some of them have been waiting on the current administration to relieve those debts. And that hasn't happened at this time. Um, so there, I've heard they paid off student loans. They have paid off car payment, their car loans. Uh, they've used that money to get a house, uh, paid off, you know, their spouse loans. So they're using, they have plans with this money, you know, so you really can't blame them, you know, anyway, they're, you know, they're paying off their debt. So, you know, they have to do what's best for them, but I do agree, you know, there needs to be a solution where the staff nurses are getting paid, you know, as well. It needs to be fair across the board, you know. Um, I agree. It just needs to be fair. And then the new grads that are coming in, you know, when me and you came in, we knew what the normal was, you know, in the healthcare system. However, new grads, they came in through the pandemic time and that was their normal. You know, right. seeing that and experiencing that, they don't even know what it's like to nurse yet without a pandemic. Right. Absolutely. And they're, tra you know, they think they kind of got, they didn't get the training that they deserved either for what they paid right. for that education. Right. So, you know, prayerfully the numbers will, you know, continue to go down and things like that. And they'll get to see that normal. However, you know, um, it's quite interesting. And, you know, with all what we're talking about and it's said and done, at the end of the day, the person who is going to get affected is the patient and the hospital. Absolutely. And it will be interesting to see, and you will be one of the first to see it, yeah. if there are more lawsuits because of poor outcomes. Poor outcomes, yes. And the thing about it is, um, you know, if they can prove there are damages or injuries to that the, the standard of care being breached, you know, that's going to go to court. You know, unfortunately, some of these cases, you know, end up where the patient uh, died, you know, and, you know, I see those cases, you know, and they, you know, they call them wrongful death.
cases. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, sometimes you're going through the, the case, the medical records and you're like, oh, you know, oh my, you know, you know, you're looking, looking at it from the outside in and, you know, you're like, oh, wow, this could have been prevented, you know, um, but it wasn't prevented. And unfortunately, the patient, the person has now died or has this major complication. So I believe we definitely need to have, you know, make sure we, you know, healthcare systems invest in quality, making sure, you know, education is still going on. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to invest some money, you know. <laughs> right. And I see part of the problem um some organizations have a lot of money and some don't. And I'm afraid now where the money is where it's at. And so those patients in smaller facilities in rural organizations and skilled nursing facilities, I hope we don't see um, the care suffer in those areas. Right. And then another thing too, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see if the, if any, if the government gets involved with this because, um, in Texas, I did hear that um, the governor there, he did um, prevent um, the nurses there that live in Texas from traveling within Texas. So if you reside in Texas, you can't travel. You can't do local travel. You can't travel far within Texas. Um, he's, he's you know, the governor has prevented them from doing that. So I don't even know how to feel about that. I don't. <laughs> is that fair? That's the question. But, you know, I'm wondering, is he looking at it from a standpoint of they are short of nurses, you know, and so he's making an executive decision. Um, But on the same token, you have nurses on the other end that would like to be compensated for the care that they're giving, just like the traveler coming in. So that's why I said there needs to be a solution to this. And then, you know, sometimes when you see one state do something, other states like to tackle on to it and then it becomes a state regulated thing or end up can could be a federal you know regulation and so you know that's something to think about absolutely so what i say to anyone out there listening nurses out there listening let's find our own solution let's not let someone outside of our profession make our decisions let's set our worth and let everyone know where it should be so we all kind of need to step up now and start this conversation and come up with our own solutions yes cuz we're we're valuable you know um you know um we we've learned you know I, sometimes at the end of the day i don't think people that may not know or be well um, versed with healthcare, know like everything that a nurse does. I agree. And, you know, um, for years, nurses have, to me, been underpaid for, you know, they go, uh, we go above and beyond, you know, our job because we're dealing with, you know, a person, you know, and it's more than a paycheck, you know. And so it, I don't see anything wrong with being compensated and appreciated. Um, because the nurses are what they're, they're what they, they are what I guess you call it the rudder in the ship that helps drive the healthcare organization. If you don't have any nurses, you have no hot, you have no healthcare, uh, organization. If you have no nurses. I agree. Well, Ashley, I so love this conversation. I think you're well-versed in what, uh, 
people need to do, what they need to look out for. And we're not choosing sides on right. this conversation. <laughs> we talked about it before. We're, we're just out there talking about it and travel nurses are important and nurses that are staying in their loyal organizations are important. And so we just believe that everyone, like you said, Ashley, should be fairly compensated across the board. Yes, yes. I, you know, there's a solution to it. And, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, um, you know, as they said, there's a nursing shortage. You know, they've been telling us that for years. Um, and, you know, at this time, we need more nurses, people to go to nursing school. You know, however, you know, we're taking in all these nurses, you know, in the nursing school to prepare them to come out. And, you know, later, but the thing is, we need to make sure they get the proper training and education uh, so they can be successful and provide great patient care. And I will add this. I saw an article um, and I just shared in my in a group that I'm in. It's called Legal Nurses of Justice. Um, Somewhere in China, they have this robotic nurse that provides care to the patient. And I saw that and I said, oh my gosh, like, is that what the wave is they're trying to create here is robotic nurses. And so, you know, I think as nurses, we need to wake up to what's going on. Um, because, and then on another hand, I heard this too. Um, they're wanting the hospital systems have, there's talks about it. I don't know how true it is, but I have heard this from other nurses and, you know, this is something that's been, you know, voiced in social media groups and things like that, that they're wanting to bring in nurses from foreign countries to come over um, and fill in the needs here in the United States. And to me, standard of care is just screaming, you know, because, and I'm not saying those nurses can't give good quality of care, but you know, here in the United States, we have different standards of care than the standards of care in foreign countries. And so, you know, you, you have to, you know, to operate as a nurse in this country, you, you need to know what those standards of care are and just filling in the needs, the quantity and not providing that quality is dangerous because it's going to affect the patient. So those two things right there, the robotic nurse, and then bringing in foreign nurses to the United States without them having to go through any type of training like we did, you know, that those are red flags. I agree. And I think the information that you share, like you said, everyone needs to get out there and do your research and find out what's going on because there's a lot going on that um, we need to stand up if we feel strongly about it. I very much appreciate your time, Ashley. It was great to have you back again um, this season, and I'm sure this isn't the last we've heard of you. You're also developing a course, or you're out teaching uh, nurses now how to become legal nurse consultants. Is that correct? You're still working on that? 
Yes. So I do offer a a legal nurse consultant mentorship for nurses who are interested in getting into legal nurse consulting. Uh, It's so many pathways that you can do with that. You can work in a firm. If you still want to be on the job, you can open up your own independent legal nurse consultant business. And also you could be a a nurse expert as well um, and testify um, if need be in a medical case. And as nurses, I, I just feel like every nurse, and maybe I may be a little biased because I'm in legal nurse consulting, but I think every nurse, whether you're a nurse, nurse practitioner, CRNA, um, whatever your discipline is, LPNs, uh, because they have a lot of uh, experience with nursing home um, and uh, re- uh, rehabilitation. Every nurse can use their expertise in the legal arena and attorneys, whether defense or plaintiff, are looking for you. And so I I do this. One of my passions is helping nurses discover, use their expertise and and start their legal nurse consultant business or if they want to be a nurse expert witness or if they want to work in a firm, whatever it may be. Um, I do have a mentorship. If anybody is interested, you can email me at info at truebylegal.com. Um, and um, you can reach out to me that way. I'm also on LinkedIn too um, and some different platforms. So I would be glad to introduce and help you navigate whatever pathway that you would like to uh, to go in. Thank you, Ashley. And all of her contact info will be in the show notes so you can find out how to reach her. Ashley, thank you so much and good luck to you. Oh, thank you and blessings to you. And I know this will not be the last we'll be talking again. Absolutely. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Donate Your Young was produced in partnership with True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by The Lighthearts. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at DonateYourYoung.com. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. But the best thing you could do to support the show is to share it with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.